Welcome to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the members of the Long Island Professional Network, where business professionals come to grow. Hi, this is Meryl Loeschner, Marketing and Communications Consultant and Podcast Producer for Smith Douglas Associates. One of our members in the Long Island Professional Network is in the process of buying a new beachfront house. This led to a really interesting discussion about flood insurance. After the destruction caused by Sandy, this is a topic more Long Islanders really should know more about. So today, we're speaking with LIPN member Leo Fernandez from the Fernandez Agency about what everyone on the island really needs to know about the federal flood insurance program. Leo, thank you for joining us today. Living on the island for my whole life, I've always been acknowledging that there's a chance of flood, but my house is miles away from the water. Why would someone like me need flood insurance? Even though you're away from the shoreline, you still have a chance of getting a flood. Okay, so a flood is characterized by the sudden rapid inundation of water in an area. So it could be tidal water, like the ocean. It could be a river. It could be a lake. It could be a flash rainstorm. If you're not prepared for it, it's still a flood, and if you don't have courage for it, your regular homeowner policy will not cover that. Well, yeah, I always wondered about that. Why doesn't homeowner's insurance cover flooding? They cover fire. They co- cover other damage. Why not floods? Fire and other damages are very individual to homes. They don't cover mass area. So when you think of a flood, you think of a large area being flooded. Um, it could be acres of land. It could be just two or three properties. It could be a neighborhood. So insurance companies, to restrict their losses in a major storm, major loss, or major catastrophe will cover the house individually, and they know how much they're going to pay. But if they're covering the whole neighborhood or the whole town, it could be disastrous for them. So the government set up a program that makes insurance affordable for these flood claims or flood uh, insurance policies, but still give the insurance company some liquidity. They're not going to go bankrupt if they have a major flood storm and not be able to pay their claims. What exactly does flood insurance cover? What is the difference between what the flood insurance will cover versus what my homeowner's insurance will cover? The flood insurance will cover the building and the contents you have inside. Now, there's no minimum. You can insure for $5 or $10, but there is a maximum. So the flood policy covers a maximum of $250,000 for the house, the actual dwelling, the structure, and up to $100,000 of your contents inside. The contents are basic stuff, okay? your, your property, your furniture, that's your contents. The house you know is your house. So it covers the floor and it covers the walls, covers electrical stuff like that. However, there are limitations to a different area, specifically basements. Because here, as you know, on the island, everybody has their basement finished and they might have some furniture or TV room down in their basement. The flood insurance doesn't cover a lot of that. In fact, there's a specific list of things that they will cover. In the basement, they'll only cover a furnace, a water heater, clothes washer, clothes dryer, food freezer, the food inside the freezer, air conditioning, heat pumps, electrical junctions, and circuit breaker boxes. If you, even if you have carpeting or flooring in the basement, they won't cover that. So, And then you, you, people wonder, what is a basement? Because here we know what a basement is, someplace on the ground with small windows. But any, any part of the structure that's under the main ground, the surface level of the ground, with all four walls, is part of the basement. So even though you may step down a few inches or a foot into your basement from the ground, 
that is considered a basement under the NFIP definition, and only those particular items are covered, nothing else. If I'm buying a house that already has flood insurance, do I need to buy a new policy? You do need to buy a new policy. However, there are rules set in place for people who follow the rules or are, are good insurers in, uh, in government size, and it's called grandfathering. So if a house was built according to the rules and regulations of the National Insurance Flood Plan, and it maintained constant insurance on that house, either by the prior owner or since the house is built, if it's relatively new, you can get those rates even though the floodplains or flood maps have changed. So if there's a flood map change last year and rates went up 50%, okay, if you buy a house that's already been insured for 10 years and that person has maintained the insurance properly, you can keep those prior rates. All you have to do is make sure that you apply for the transfer before you close on the property. If you close on the property and then try to transfer it, it's too late. you got to apply beforehand, and then the day you close, you'll notify your agent or broker, and it can transfer for you. So tell me about these flood maps. Is that a state-level thing? Is that a federal level? It's all federal. It's all federal. In fact, uh, people ask me, different companies have different policies, different prices, everything else. And, and no, it's run by the federal government. They set the rates. They set the underwriting guidelines. They set how the claims are managed. So it's on the federal level. Everybody is the same. Each policy and coverage is the same. Each price or premium rate is the same. Where can I find copies of the flood maps before I start looking for a house? The easiest place is probably to call your agent or broker because he has access to the applications and the FEMA maps right on his computer. However, if you want to take a look at it, you can always go to fema.gov slash NFIP and look under there for your particular area. Now start with a map of the whole United States and just narrow it down to your particular neighborhood. In fact, some neighborhoods may have one map and across the street may have another map, and it could affect the rates drastically. On Long Island, is there any part of the island that isn't <laughs> on a floodplain? <laughs> um, I could venture to say that no. It's just the degree of the floodplain that's on. So the map is going to cover all of Long Island. However, within the maps, they're called firms. Mm -hmm. um, flood insurance rating maps firm. Within those flood insurance rating maps are what's called special flood hazard areas. And that's why everybody, that's what everybody's concerned about, these flood zones. Within those areas, it designates where you're going to have more of a probability of a flood than others. So all of the island is on a floodplain. However, the center of the island may be on a higher floodplain than, let's say, the southern shore of Long Island. So yes, it's mapped out correctly by the government. However, each neighborhood is mapped differently in terms of elevation, and by mapping differently, they can rate it differently and price it differently. Right. So even if we are on the upper level part of the island, we may not get flood damage from a hurricane, so to speak, yeah. but we could also get seven inches of rain and there'll be a flash flood in the neighborhood. Absolutely. In fact, there has been, if you go to some areas in the middle of the island or even north shore of the island where it's kind of hilly, if there's a flash rain and the rain flows downhill into your house, into your basement, that's technically a flood by definition. And your flood, your flood insurance will cover it if you have it. If you just have homeowner insurance alone, you're not going to have coverage for that because it is technically, by definition, a flood. After Sandy, a lot of people had flood damage on Long Island. My brother-in-law's mother had flood damage, but not from the ocean. She lived across the street from a pond, and the wind was so strong, it lifted up the yep. pond and flooded her entire front yep. house. And she didn't have flood insurance because she wasn't anywhere near the water. Well, she wasn't anywhere near the ocean. She wasn't expecting the cute little duck pond across the street 
to flood our house. Right. Yeah, people, people don't expect that, uh, especially if you live in the center part of the island or in a place far away from the ocean because everybody associates flooding with ocean water. But I said before, it's tidal water, which is the ocean, but it also can be rivers, lakes, canals. And if even if you don't uh, recognize a canal close to your house, when the water starts rushing, it rushes really fast and it rises very quickly. So any kind of water that rises quickly and floods into your house or flows into your house is considered a flood by definition. So a flood isn't if your hot water heater bottoms out and floods your basement, that's not considered a flood. It's a different type of flood. Different kind of, but that, that was water that already started in the house. Exactly. So it's external water that comes into the house is considered a flood. And that kind of flood is covered by your homeowner insurance because there's something limited to your house. It's not an inundation of the whole area. It's not water that rushed in from the outside into your house from the surface. It's in your house already. So a rupture of a hot water heater, rupture of a furnace, rupture of a, um, a pipes in your bathroom. Last year, I don't, don't know if you remember, but we had that two weeks of weather that was like five degrees and so many pipes froze. And when they unfreeze, the water starts spilling out. That those covered those losses were covered and damages were covered by the homeowner insurance, even though they flooded the bathroom, flooded the kitchen, flooded the basement. It's a covered loss on the homeowner because it didn't come from the surface of the outside of the house. How do you convince people who aren't in their mind at any rate in a floodplain to get flood insurance? Is is it something of value anywhere on Long Island or only certain parts of it? It's a value everywhere in the island. However you've got to compare the value to the cost. Some people don't want to pay anything more because they just can't afford it anymore. Even though the floodplains, like I mentioned before, in the front, in the middle of the island, the, the flood maps are there, the plains are high, so the cost is inexpensive. However, when you ask somebody to pay additional money on top of what they're paying now for homeowner insurance, people are hesitant. So the flood insurance on the shoreline can be easily 10 times as much as the flood insurance in the middle of the island, but people don't see the value in having it because they can't afford it. What roughly would be the premiums for some place that isn't expected to flood? In what, what the government calls a zone X, okay, which is a high level. It's outside a special flood hazard area. The price could be $400 or $375 for the year. That's not bad. Compared to if you're in a high f- flood zone area, which is in the AU or a V, can be four, five, six thousand dollars a year. So easily ten to fifteen times the cost for a special flood area, special hazard area, compared to a non-hazard area. But like I said, it's the value. People don't expect it. They hope it will never happen to them. They don't want to pay any extra money, either they don't have it or they don't want to spend it, and they don't buy it. Then again, once you get hit with an unexpected flood, then you're paying a lot more to replace your first floor. They would gladly pay $400 (laughs) to avoid that. It's not just the expense, it's the inconvenience. I don't know if you've been in a flood on a first floor, but when your house floods, two or three inches of water is disastrous. Everything on the first floor is damaged. The floor, the underlining of the floor, all the baseboards are damaged, and the water, flood water, wicks into your walls. So even though it's two inches of water up against your wall, the actual damage of the water can go up two or three feet within the wall because it wicks up. And then so, you end up with mold problems and afterwards. Oh, with a lot of problems. Uh, I don't know if you remember during Sandy, we had that huge fire in Far Rockaway. The fires were started by the salt water coming in contact with all the electrical lines. When the electrical lines came back on power, they started fires and they destroyed the whole neighborhood because of the fires. So just the, the it's not just the cost, 
but the inconvenience that can happen from a small amount of water in your first floor. Is there anything, if I decide I want a home on the beach, anything I could do to mitigate both flood damage and what I'd be paying in premiums? In premiums, the best thing to do with the grandfather, like I said before, if the previous owner of the house has a policy in force and has the established rates, you can transfer that policy in your name, which is probably the best thing to do. Mitigation, you can elevate your house. However, the expense of that may be limiting because there's no uh, loans available for that. There are loans available through FEMA. And sometimes you can get a grant through FEMA if it's a special area, but it's very expensive and costly to lift your house. Now, in terms of mitigating for an, un- an impending storm, let's say you go out and buy sandbags and you buy you know, ward paneling or whatever to cover your doors, cover your windows for in case of a flood, they do give you up to $1,000 for that. So let's say you go out and buy the materials to protect your house, you can get reimbursed up to $1,000. Are there any parts of the island where flood insurance is mandatory? It's not mandatory per se. Let's say the answer is yes and no. Okay, If you have interest in the property, and you have a mortgage on a property. If the mortgage is either supervised or regulated or mandated by any kind of federal backing, you have to have it. Yes, you have to have it. However, if you don't have a mortgage on your house, but you own it, you have interest in it, you don't have to get it if you don't want to. That's really optional for you. However, you know, it's penny wise and pound foolish, I would say, I think. It is foolish if you have a house, even though you own it outright, you don't have a loan, nobody mandates you to get it. If you're in a special flood area, it, it makes sense to protect yourself from, from a disaster. If I come to you for flood insurance and you give me a rate, what happens if I shop around to other agencies? You're going to get the exact same rate. Because it's federal. It's federal. It's, 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 it's a guideline that affects the United States, not just a particular area. Now, each community has its own map, that firm that I said before. Within that firm is a special code, community, a grouping, and a flood elevation zone. No matter where you go to buy the policy, whether you go directly to NFIP or to any agent or broker, they're going to look at the exact same map, the exact same community, the exact same zone. So the pricing is set by the government based on the age of the house, where it was built, what you know, what year was built in, the type of construction it is, who occupies it. A renter is different from the owner, honestly. You can, you can insure a co-op or a condo for property inside. So these prices are based on what you're insuring, but once you find out what you're insuring, the price is going to stay no matter where you go. After Sandy, did you find a, pardon the pun, surge in people interested in flood insurance? Yes. Yes, of course. First, it took a long time for people to realize how bad it was. That was really a thing. People didn't expect it because they hadn't had a, a flood in 100 years. You know, you hear that 100-year flood. That never happened to me. It's not going to happen. And it did. So now people had damage. They didn't have flood insurance. They applied to FEMA. They got some help from, from FEMA. They got some grants. They got some loans to get the house built back or, or reconstructed or repaired. And then they wanted to buy flood insurance to protect in the future. A lot of them that got assistance from the government were mandated to get flood insurance now. Because remember, if anything is, is regulated or mandated or supervised by the government, you have to get it. Now, the rate they got it was a lot higher than they could have gotten before Sandy because everything changed after that. The ratings, the territories changed. I'm assuming the rates went dramatically higher after Sandy. Higher, exactly. And if you remember, they were so high that people couldn't afford it, which was the reason why the, the National Flood Insurance Plan was, you know, began in the first place. 
is to get people in the affordable policy. After Sandy, there was so much damage and so much money paid by the government that the rates went very high and people couldn't afford it again. And then a few years later, well, the, the government revised the maps and rights of ratings to again make it affordable to the, the home buyer or homeowner. Maybe not as affordable as before Sandy, but still more affordable than just after Sandy. If I'm watching the Weather Channel and I see a hurricane is heading this way and I suddenly realize, wait, I don't have flood insurance, how quickly can I get flood insurance ahead of the storm? That's an easy answer. Not quickly enough. <laughs> there is a certain waiting period for flood insurance. If you see a storm is coming and you go out and try to buy flood insurance, it's too late. You need 30 days in advance to buy a policy if you own the property already. So if you have a house on the shoreline and you own it already and you want to buy flood insurance, you pay for it today, the policy becomes effective 30 days from today. However, if you're in the process of buying a home and your closing date is the day before the storm is about to hit, the policy takes effect the day of closing the house. So the, the policy will be in effect for that storm. How many buildings are insured under one policy? If I have the house and I have the garage and I have a guest cottage or a barn, does it just do the house or does it do all of the property? No, per, per policy, you can only have one building and one external building, like a detached garage or a detached shed or something like that, or a small barn. One building plus one out, out building. The building, the main building can have an attached garage to it. That's part of the dwelling itself. The only part that's separate is a separate building, and that's only covered up to 10% of what the main building coverage is. For example, the main building, your main house, is $250,000 of coverage. The most you can get for an outbuilding would be $25,000 whether it be a shed or a garage or anything else. Do I get to pick which secondary building is insured? I want the house and, well, I don't care about the garage, but I want to make sure the barn is safe. Yes, yes, you can do that. It's just one, it's your main building plus one outbuilding. So yes, I can say this is the outbuilding I want covered. And in the application, there will be a description for that. And it will be very specific as to what you want covered and how much will be covered for it. If I have flood insurance and I'm convinced I'm just never going to get flooded, how hard is it to cancel? It's easy and hard, let's say, because uh, if you've had a loss in the past and the government has given you assistance, you have to have that policy in effect. If you sell your house, you have no further interest in the house, so you can cancel that policy. However, because of the the frequency or the, the cyclical nature of floods and flood season, I would say, you can't cancel out the flood season and reinstate it before flood season. You can't do that. There's a very specific list of reasons that you can cancel the policy. The easiest one is if you sell the house and you no longer have an interest in it. Okay, so it's not something I can buy for a few years and say, okay, it's quiet, then I cancel. I'm like, oh, it's a, it's an El Nino year. I better get flood insurance again. So it's not very easy to switch on and off. Exactly. The worst happens, we get hit with another megastorm. There's a flood. How do you file a claim? What's what's the process of you come home, you discover your first floor is under six inches of water. What do you do? <laughs> you got to contact your agent or broker. And if he's not available because, like in Sandy, a lot of the areas had no electricity, had no communications, you can contact the government directly, NFIP. As long as you have your policy number, you can notify them of the claim, and they'll set the claim up for you right away. Then they'll send you a form in the mail called the proof of loss, which you can list all the damages that, that you've had occur to you. 
most likely you're going to get some money up front to start mitigating the damage or start repairing the house. And then as the repairs go along, they'll make sure you're covered properly or covered for the rest of the damages. But usually the first call you're going to make is going to be your agent or broker because he can file a claim for you immediately and get some money to you as fast as possible. Do you still get the money if the house is considered a loss? It's all a loss. It's all considered a loss. However, there is a point where you're mandated to construct the house differently or repair it to a much higher standard. If the house is damaged more than 50% of its value at the time of loss, you have to do something to prevent that from happening again. So you're mandated to elevate the house to the next plane level, or you're mandated to just reconstruct altogether or demolish the house and just build a brand new house. I think that was the, some of the problems that people on the South Shore had. Absolutely. That their house was pretty much just condemned. Yes. And yeah. if they wanted to rebuild, they had to elevate it and completely redesign it. Elevate the structure as, as it was standing or completely demolish it and just rebuild a brand new home. And that was very expensive. Most of the people have a limited policy on the flood insurance, like I said, the maximums, or they had to get loans from the government or federal grants from the government, wherever they could, to, to substantiate the cost of that to help them you know, rebuild the house. And if they did that, then they would still have mandatory flood insurance on their property going forward? Yes. However, the mandatory flood policy based on the new condition of the house, which could be a lot less than the old condition of the house. An elevated house is a lot less to, to insure than a house that's not elevated because the non-elevated house is going to be flooded first. Whether the new elevated house is based on a new flood maps, based on new construction regulations, will most likely not have a flood. So the flood uh, policy, even though mandated, will probably be a lot less. What is NFIP? The NFIP is a National Flood Insurance Program. It's a program established by Congress in 68. Before then, there was nothing to regulate where anybody built a house. So people would develop communities, develop uh, you know neighborhoods near areas that were prone to flooding. And when a disaster struck, the government would be called in to help people get out of disaster, to help them reconstruct their homes and help them establish themselves again. And then when the flood went back, people built again in the same flood area. So it was over and over a recurring thing. So they made these, uh, the, the National Insurance Flood Program was designed to let people know where the flood levels were, the elevations were, how you could build on those elevations, and build to different standards than they were building before. And this this helped a lot of people afford flood insurance because they couldn't afford it before, and also helped the government and taxpayer because the government wasn't bailing people out all the time for the same floods over and over again. Interesting. I'm assuming that was primarily in the, the Mississippi when that would flood on a regular basis. and Every year be a recurring thing. And they just rebuild the next year and have another flood. Interesting, because I remember growing up when we would get the storms, hearing people out on the South Shore going, oh, we need federal money to help rebuild. I'm like, you built your McMansion on a sandbar. Yes. I don't want yes. my taxpayer money going to help you rebuild your McMansion on a sandbar. And then that's what was happening. Exactly. And it happened over and over again. Even though it sounds like lunacy, it was happening over and over again. You're absolutely right. Do you know how they actually do the zones? Is this something that's purely based on elevation, or is it purely based on history of previous floods? No, it's based on the elevation. However, the, there are geographical changes, you know, the climate and to the area, so they will update the maps. So they go out and do a survey of the elevation of the areas. They design a set of maps, 
And then every few years, I'll look at it again and see if the elevation has changed from the floodplain to the surface of the ground. And if there is a change there, they'll, they'll revise the maps and issue a new map, a new zone, a new community. Now, are they changing the maps doing to climate change with the uh, seawater rising? Could be, yeah. Could be. That, that would raise the flood level, yes. They, they would revise the maps for that. Like I said, they look at it, they do a nice uh, elaborate study on the area that they're doing the map for, revising the map for, and it could be or could not be a change, depending on what they see in the, the, the water level and the surface level. Here on the island, how popular is flood insurance? Is this something that's part and parcel of living on the island? Is this a hard sell for you, or is this just standard operating procedure where people live? Everywhere on the South Shore is mandated to have flood insurance. Very few people buy a house cash nowadays. Everybody has a mortgage. Uh, and people that already own the house outright, from experience, have seen that it can be disastrous. So along the South Shore of the Island, since it's so low and it's so flat also, flooding happens uh, you know, pretty, pretty often, I would say, compared to other major storms. Um, so on the South Shore of the Island, people buy it. They know they have to have it. Either they buy it because they want it, they know how bad it, the flood could be, or they're mandated by their lender. Further north, where there are higher elevations, it's a tough sell. Like I said, people think they just ne it's never going to happen to them, and they always associate a flood with the ocean. And I'm not near the beach. Why should I get a flood insurance? But then there, there, are, there are other things like the canals, the rivers, the lakes, even a heavy rainstorm that could do damage. They, they don't, they'll take their chances, I would say. They'd rather take their chances than pay a yearly fee, a yearly premium, not knowing if they're going to be using it or not. Right. I remember one of the hurricanes that just glanced off Long Island, and it wasn't that bad, hit Vermont very hard. And it had something like 20 inches of rain. And oh, yeah. the flooding up there was intense. Well, there were videos during that storm where I, I remember specifically a gas station that was several hundred feet from a river was literally washed off its foundation. The owner came back just to find a slab there, nothing else. Yeah, and Vermont lost most of its covered bridges yes. because the 20 inches of rain within a yeah. one-day one period mm -hmm. just created torrents all over the state Absolutely. and wiped out everything. Absolutely. That happened, uh, and it happened in the South also. Uh, recently, I think it was Carolina, same thing happened again. People don't expect all that water to come at once. And uh, when it does, it takes a long time to go away, but the damage left behind it is stays around for a while. Yeah, I have friends in North Carolina, when they got hit with that hurricane, they were expecting all the damage to be on the shore, and all the damage was inland, inland. because it had pretty much a solid day of torrential downpour, yes. and the ground was saturated. When you have a saturated ground, the water's got to go somewhere. It builds up, and it accumulates, and then it goes into people's houses. And even if it doesn't, even if you have a house on a slab with no basement, the water comes in your first floor. And like I said, the water, a few inches of water is devastating to your house because it, it, it wicks and leaks into areas that you never expected it to. Here's a question. High winds during a hurricane, the rain gets pushed into your house mm -hmm. through the walls. Is that considered wind damage or flood damage? It's wind damage. It's not a flood. Remember, it has to come from the surface of the ground. So I guess theoretically, if the, if the rain bounces off the ground and hits your house, maybe. But no, if, it, if it's pushed against your house by the wind, it's a windstorm. And that's covered by homeowner insurance. It has to be water that accumulates on the ground. And from the ground comes into your home to be a flood.
what about water table levels? If there is incredible amounts of water, it sinks into the water, raises the water thing, and it floods your basement from beneath. Is that considered a flood? That's considered a flood, absolutely, because it comes from the outside into your home. It doesn't have to come in through your basement window. It can come in through a sump pump or a well you have in the basement. It comes in through there and seeps in, and that's a flood. And that causes damage to the walls or the, or the furnace or the hot water heater. That would also be covered under flood insurance policy. Have you ever had any policies that were denied? A flood policy? No. A flood policy, since it's mandated by the government for any kind of government-backed loans, they will accept you no matter where you go. However, if you have constant repetition of losses, if every year you have a flood loss, every year you have a flood loss, they write your own policy companies like uh, the major companies, all states, State Farm, Nationwide. They won't write anymore. They'll ask you to go directly to NFIP. So the NFIP will write you a direct policy for flood. Coverage is the same. Price is the same. But now they take care of it since, it, since it's a property that has constant flooding claims over and over again. They just won't tell you to move? No, they can't tell you. It's your house. Mm. It's your house. They can't tell you to move. They can tell you, please uh, do something about it, you know. Will they but, raise your but, premium every time you, after you do a claim, if you do a claim once a year? If, if there are a lot of claims and you end up in this high repetition loss category that FEMA has, your rates are going to be higher than the average, than the other average homes that don't have a claim. And I think it's pretty fair. You know, uh, I've been before, these companies like Allstate, State Farm, Nationwide, they're what we call write your own policy. So you may get a flood policy in the mail that says Allstate. Okay, you may get a flood policy that says State Farm. But the base of the policy, the actual underwriting and the pricing is all based on the government. But the government allowed these companies to write their own policies on their own paper and manage it and take some weight or some stress off the government itself. So instead of having 13,000 employees just handling flood policies, they can cut down their employees, have these private companies manage the policy for them and make it easier for the customer to deal directly with an agent or a broker instead of having to call the government every single time they have a question. So if I come whining to you about my premium rate, there's nothing you can do because it's all set by the government. It's set by the government. Like I said, it's just based on the age of the house, the occupancy of the house, uh, the coverage and the deductibles you want. You can adjust those, but for a particular coverage, a particular deductible, the price is set, and that's what it is. How long is the policy? Is it just year by year, or can you get longer? It's year by year. It's renewable on the anniversary. However, let's say you, you're out on vacation, you don't get time to pay on your anniversary, and you come back two weeks later. There is a grace period of up to 30 days. So even though your renewal happened on January 1st, you have until January 30th to pay for it and still maintain continuous coverage with no problems. If you go past that, then you have to rewrite the policy. And if you had the prior rates or prior firm rates or, or map rates before, and now the, ma the maps were revised, you will have to pay the new map rates and that could be costly for you. So it pays to keep a policy in effect without any kind of lapse. Now, if I get a policy and pay each year, do I pay the same amount even if they redo the maps? Yes, yes. There may be a cost, uh, like a fixed cost they may adjust, but usually the, the price will stay the same within a few dollars year to year. So it's it's smarter to buy it sooner than later because the price is only going to go go up. There's there's no doubt about it. There's no, I haven't seen the prices go down. <laughs> and, but if they do go down, you can always ask them to rewrite it for a lower rate. So that's not a problem either. But they very rarely go down. When you think about it, you know the when the government established these rates 
for a particular house or particular area or particular flood zone, they plan it on staying kind of equal for long term. You know, the floodplain doesn't change from year to year. It basically stays about the same. The beaches stay about the same where they were last year. They don't come up 100 feet or back down 100 feet. They stay pretty stable. So these rates are meant for the long term. So when you get a price, it usually stays about the same. Well, if someone else had questions about flood insurance or any kind of insurance, how would they reach out to you? Well, they can call me directly. Uh, my phone number is uh, Fernandez Agency, 516-292-5100. If they want to do some more research, they can go directly to FEMA.gov and look under NFIP. They also offer free booklets, which are fantastic. They have a booklet that answers all these questions about flood policies, and you can have them mail it to you for free. Again, go to FEMA.gov.NFIP, or you can go to FloodSmart.gov, which is more consumer-friendly, and you can answer some questions there. But I'm always available to answer questions. Probably the, the fastest way to go, uh, instead of calling the 1-800-government number, <laughs> which you're going to be waiting for a long time, it'll be easier just to call an agent directly like me. What's your number again? 516-292-5100. You can also reach me at my email at leo at thefernandezagency.com. Thank you very much for your time. This has been really interesting. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the Long Island Professional Network and produced by Smith Douglas Associates. To learn more about the LIPN, visit our website at lipn.org or join our meetup under Long Island Professional Network.